What's up, Fathom fam? Welcome to the weekly Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can follow us to stay up to date on everything going on at Fathom on the Church Center app, Instagram, or YouTube, our Facebook page, or our Fathom fam Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Encourage you the way that so many of you have encouraged me. I'm, I'm, I'm just a guy that goes to church and sits among uh, fellow believers, and I'm just so thankful for you. So I wanted to encourage you a little bit this morning. I want to encourage you to follow Jesus, right? Isn't that what we're doing here? Isn't that the series? We're going to kind of close it out this week, but I want to um, kind of recap what we've been walking through in case you missed one, in case you weren't here. We've been talking about following Jesus, this pretty broad uh, overview of some of the the most important ingredients in the Christian life, following Jesus. And and I've been having a really good time. I don't know about you, but I'll be really honest. Last week's Mary and Martha sermon, anybody? Like, they just needed to hear it. It's funny, I walk away a lot of times like that. I was like, oh God, that was just for me. And then I talked to like 12 other people and they were like, no, that was for me, sorry. Um, so it's funny how God does that, but it was, it was really good. God did a lot of hard work through that one. But in week one of this Following Jesus series, we talked about what it, what it looked like to initially follow Jesus, saying yes. Anybody making that part of their vocabulary these days? What, what can I say yes to? Anybody praying that, that God would help them to say yes? Saying yes to Jesus when we might not understand or agree necessarily. I mean, that's, that's the rub, right? Saying yes when we don't understand why or when we don't necessarily agree with him. Living his way instead of our way. Making room for him to do whatever he wants to. Living his way, we get to see lots of amazing blessings and we get to see God do lots of things when we say yes. So then the next week, week two on Easter Sunday, we talked about the why. Why do we follow Jesus, right? There's a lot of confusion about that out there in the world. I think if you took a survey of, and asked people, why do Christians follow Jesus? You'd get a lot of different answers. But why do we follow Jesus? The Jesus who created all things, but also bleeds for his children. Think about that. All-powerful God bleeds for his children. The Jesus who holds the universe together, as it says in Scripture, but also sits at the right hand of God and pleads on our behalf, saying, no, 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 I paid for Andrew's sin. He is free. He is mine. That's the Jesus that we follow. And then last week, Kyle talked about the how. You see how some of these big foundational questions about following Jesus, the how we follow Jesus, we sit at his feet, we keep our eyes on him, We don't run around with our priorities in a hundred different places trying to fit Jesus in there somewhere. We prioritize his presence above all else, and we walk with him through this life as he desires to walk with us. And that brings us to this week, but I want to start out with just a little quick testimony. Our family had COVID last July, and it was brutal. Um, and I know we, we, can, we can all go back and forth with our COVID stories, right? It seems like that, the weather, and sports have become the safe spaces to like talk, make small talk, because everybody has a, a COVID story, whether you experienced it or a loved one experienced it, to whatever degree, and some of those stories are, are horrendous and awful, but we, we know what this is like. So, so um, here's ours. We had it, maybe not bad um, compared to, to some others, but for us, bad. I've never been, 
I've never been that sick. Never, ever been that sick. I've been sick, but I've never been can't move, can't breathe, too tired to think, roll over, or eat sick. I've never been so weak and powerless to do anything on my own. And a couple days after I got sick, down went my wife, Autumn. So we have two kids. They are seven and nine, or seven and almost nine. So they were a year younger at this point. And they got it too, but they were down for like 12 minutes because <laughs> that's how that works, I guess. Um, but then they were like back up. And for the whole month of us being sick, they didn't slow down. And so it was this weird time. It was miserable. There was lots of of guilt and shame because I can't be the dad or the mom that we want to be for our kids. I can't do anything. Work is on hold. Everything is on hold. I'm sick and I feel terrible. Why am I telling you this? It's because in the midst of this, this sickness, that I got one of the clearest pictures I've ever seen of what it means to follow Jesus. Remember, it was week number three of the COVID. And I was functioning at probably 20% capacity, but she was worse, so like, batter up. And she's laying down. She took the first three weeks, and then I, I went, I, I, so it was my turn, and, and I'm, I'm laying on the floor, which was my spot. We had these vents um, on the floor, and I would just put my face on one of them until a kid needed something, and that's just where I lived. And I heard the doorbell ring. So I peel my face off the floor, and like, like for real, like peel my face off of the floor, because um, it was a thousand degrees, and I stumble over the door, and what I find outside on our porch is a little care package and a note. Nothing crazy. In the care package, there was dinner, some snacks, and some things, for my kids, some things for my kids to do while I was sick and while my wife was sick. And the note was just this encouraging, like, press on little note. I didn't even think it was front and back. It was few words. It was press on note, reminding me that we were loved by this individual. We were loved by God. We were being prayed for, and we were missed by our church family. Somebody was following Jesus, friends. And throughout our time with COVID, this happened again and again and again. People following Jesus. It was, they weren't extravagant. There was no catch. It wasn't this big ta-da. There wasn't this big show. They didn't even wait around to like, get the accolades for the gift that they had given. Someone was just being faithful and followed Jesus. And so many of you did that for us when we were sick. This morning, I want to talk to you about following Jesus by living our lives on mission for him moment by moment in the little things. When we say yes to him, when we remember who he is and what he has done for us, and when we prioritize his presence over trying to be perfect, we can live on mission, really live on mission for him in every aspect of our lives. That's something that he's called us to do. We just sometimes miss it. So let's pray and then let's dive in. Father, we love you and we're so thankful for the love that you show us. We just pray right now, God, that you would begin to unlock whatever you need to in our hearts and minds. That you would speak exactly what you need to into my heart as I speak and into their hearts as they listen. That anybody listening to this online, in the car, driving, on Wednesday, God, that you would do a work that only you can do in their lives. There's nothing special about the words that are going to be said, God. 
but a heart willing to learn and grow. You are faithful. You are faithful to grow. And we love you, and we just, we just thank you so much that you're right here with us. And then we pray. Amen. Okay, um, so let's talk about this, living on mission. Now, I'm a pastor's kid, so I've heard this term my whole life. It's a very churchy term sometimes. We're going to live on mission. What, what does that mean? Maybe I should say it this way. We're going to talk about living as God intended for us to live. What does God's way look like? What brings him the most joy out of our lives? See, in Scripture, we see our purpose, okay? We see our purpose, and there's a couple places that we like to go to find our purpose and, and to find our mission. It says in Scripture, in the book of Matthew, Jesus says that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. This comes from, Kyle mentioned last week, the Shema, this thing that Hebrews would say over and over and over. They would say it all the time. Why? To remind them of their purpose. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus reiterates that. Someone says, what are the greatest commandments? And he, he says this. He's like, that's your purpose. That's what you're doing in this life. Love God, love people. That's what you're doing. He says a little bit later, though, he kind of qualifies that with one of the, like, how do we love people? What's our mission? He says, go and make disciples, baptize and teach them. Everything that you know about how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, teach them everything you know about that so that they can do the same thing, Right? So you got your purpose and your mission, and we jump right to these passages. I jump to them very quickly, um, and, and when we think about those passages, we can think of a lot of churchy ways to do the thing we've been told to do. Okay, I know that might be a little confusing. How about this? Um, we think of church events and sermons and podcasts and songs and mission trips to Africa and outreaches and Bible studies and volunteering and any number of other things that help us accomplish what God has called us to do in these couple of things. And those are all really good things. I mean, I've been blessed tremendously by all of those things. But when we get down to it, can you still follow Jesus without those things? Is that what it means to follow Jesus? Or are those just vehicles that are helpful? So as I'm thinking through all of this, <clears throat> a passage of scripture came to mind. And so if you wouldn't mind flipping over to Acts chapter 2, it'll be on the screen, but, but if you're a, a, a page turner, um, like I am, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 for me, we're going to take a look at what it says. And, 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 and while you're doing that, let me give a little context. So Jesus has already died, and he's risen from the dead, spoilers, and he's ascended back into heaven, and the disciples are all on their own, right? They're, they're all on their own. Um, imagine, imagine that for a second, like watching Jesus go up, and when you get, uh, when, when you get through like being amazed that he's like levitating into heaven, um, you're kind of like, oh, wait, <laughs> we're alone. Jesus told us to do something, and we're alone. Except not really, because the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, right, kicks down the door at Pentecost and enters the picture, um, falls on the disciples and, and the believers, causes them to proclaim the gospel in all of these different languages that they did not naturally know. They're speaking, and there's people walking around outside. Somebody from Timbuktu is like, is that the gospel in Timbuktuan? And they're, they're like coming, and they're gathering, and they're going, what is this work? And the Spirit of God is just doing this crazy thing so that the gospel can be spread to all all of these people from all these different nations. 
And so then Peter, this fisherman turned preacher, and we know Peter, right? Peter's a mess. And, and he gets up and he, he starts preaching this sermon. He, he proclaims the gospel clearly and 3,000 people repent and believe in Jesus as the Messiah. And it's this whirlwind of action, 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 action. These big events, these milestones, these monuments, these huge flags in the ground. And the very next verse, after that wild series of events, says this. Then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What do we see the church doing we just see them living life, don't we? Everyone who was saved didn't immediately go out and start kicking down doors. We see them in church community, real, authentic church community. We see them giving what they have and meeting needs. And as I was studying up on this, it said they didn't just like ignorantly give everything that they had away. They identified needs and they filled those needs as a genuine part of loving somebody. They were learning, growing, eating together, praying, worshiping. They were enjoying one another. And what's happening? What's happening as a result of this? Well, look at the last verse. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, these believers, they knew the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, your soul and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. They knew that. Why? Because they were believers of the way, right? That's what they were called before. Like, they weren't called Christians yet. They were just followers of the way, way before the Mandalorian made it cool, right? That was in the Bible, so... But, but for real, they knew the, the great commandment, they, they were basing their lives on this, and they knew the Great Commission because they had literally just heard it. And we're only like a couple of chapters into the book of Acts at this point. So, so it hasn't even been that long. They were doing those things, but they were doing them in the little moments, in the everyday things. And as you go on to read Acts, you're going to see uh, the believers do really amazing things. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to preach the gospel. They'll be beaten and imprisoned for preaching. They'll start churches, go on missionary journeys. They'll get martyred or killed for their faith. But I want to make a clear distinction for you that I hope encourages you the way that it's encouraged me. It's this. It's just as important to follow Jesus in the little things as it is to follow him in the big things. And can I tell you this? It's the little things that qualify someone for the big things. Being faithful in the everyday qualifies us for the big things. Look at a moment at the list that I gave you. Heal the sick. Who did it? Well, the apostles. But did they do it on the very first day they met Jesus? No. They like handed out some bread to hungry people in the early days. Like that was their job. Sit, listen, watch hand out this bread. Jesus, there's not enough bread. You clearly don't know me yet. 
preach the gospel. Who did it? Peter, right? Yeah, Peter, the guy who denied Jesus. The guy who took his eyes off Jesus in the water and sank because of his lack of faith. The guy who rebuked Jesus when Jesus said the Son of God had to die and was the recipient of, get behind me, Satan, right? That Peter, did he start out as this amazing gospel preacher, not even close, uneducated fisherman? People were beaten and imprisoned for preaching. Who did it? Paul, the guy who hunted Christians before being blinded and starting from square one and the rebuilding of his faith, the great humbling that happened to this Pharisee of Pharisees. We could go on and on. We, the people we often compare ourselves to in the Bible, or even the people that we compare ourselves to here in real life, be honest, I do it. Right? Those people started with the little things and just continue to follow Jesus in the little things, moment by moment. Really, a lot of this is just an echo of saying yes, isn't it? saying yes to Jesus no matter what. So let's, I want to double down on that idea of comparison just for a second because I'm a classic comparer. Anybody feel me? Anybody? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't even have social media and I'm a classic comparer. I can't imagine how bad it would be if I had Facebook, right? I don't see how everyone's living their lives and I still do it. Um, why am I not better? That guy is a better speaker, writer, father, husband, friend. Why can't I be like that? Why can't I do those things? Why am I me? The thoughts that kind of run through my head. Then when it comes to my faith, following Jesus, I'm still a classic comparer. Why am I not better? Why do I keep sinning? Why? That guy is a better volunteer. He's a better musician. He's a better Christian than I am. God's doing more in him than he's doing in me. Is there anybody with me? You walk around and, and you just feel like you're getting beat up, but it's just you. That's exactly what the enemy wants from us, I hope you realize. To be so busy like Martha, comparing ourselves to other believers, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we ignore God's unique call for our lives. God, hold on a minute. I mean, I'll get to you. I just need to get better at this one thing like that guy over there. Then, then, I'll be ready to follow you. Anybody? So let me, let me sum it up like this. Um, God made you, you. He didn't make you me, and he didn't make me, you. He saved us both. He gave you gifts that he didn't give to me. He put you in an environment surrounded by different people from me. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if we just went around the room and said, how many people do you interact with during the day? And the number of people that would be represented all over Jacksonville and the country and maybe the world. He put you, he called you to follow him right where you are, not where I am and not where that guy over there is or that girl over there is. See, folks, even though you and I have the same mission and the same purpose, to know him and make him known. We're at different places in that journey, and that's okay. That's actually on purpose. There wasn't like an initial class of Jesus and like everyone had to advance at the same rate. That's not how any of this works. See, following Jesus is not a rigid sense, uh, series of directions and instructions that everyone must follow in the exact same way, in the exact same timing, with the exact same outcome. 
Following Jesus means saying yes to his way and no to our way of living. It means knowing him intimately and growing ever closer to him. And it means keeping our eyes on him in a world filled with distractions. So how can we really define following Jesus? It might be, sound like I'm kind of being vague, right? And I definitely don't want to be that. I prioritize clarity when I speak. But if I'm being vague, it's only because I don't get to define exactly what God is calling you to do. That's for no one to define, Right? We, we leave that to God. Someone, someone followed Jesus right up to my doorstep and left a care package. Does that mean that after church we all go and give coloring books to the sick? No. No. I can't tell you what your gifts are, how, where, when, or on whom to use them. Leave it to God to hash out the details in that. And open your heart and open your eyes to the needs around you. I can't tell you what to do. All I can tell you with boldness is who to model. And there's lots of details under that umbrella that God will hash out with you as you are faithful to say yes to him. But all I can tell you is who to model. So that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning. It may sound dumb, but it's something that needs to be said. Okay, following Jesus... This series, everything we've been doing this month, following Jesus means following Jesus. Do you know what I mean? I think you probably know what I mean, but let's talk about it a little bit. In Acts 2, we see Jesus' followers living, living moment by moment, imitating what they saw Christ do while he was on earth. No grand events, massive initiatives, superstars, but each and every day, people were joining them. They were jumping on board, following Jesus themselves for the very first time. And what's so unique about these people that we find right here in Acts 2.42, and the reason that we can look to them as a great example of following Jesus, not because of what they were doing specifically, but who they were imitating, They were literally looking at Jesus and just doing the things that he did. Flip over to Philippians chapter 2 with me. If you're there, it'll again be here. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and this is one of the last letters that Paul writes. He's getting ready to die. He's in jail. And just like so many other times, he's begging the believers, the the church, to understand this concept. He says this in verse 1, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, so if you have any of that, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, I wonder what that mindset is. Let's continue. Who, being in very nature the God of the universe, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by, being, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death 
on a cross. He doesn't tell them exactly what to do in their day-to-day lives, does he? He just tells them who to follow. He doesn't say everyone look exactly the same, but he does use the unity language of be like-minded, have the same love, be of one spirit and of one mind. He centers their entire worldview all around one thing, Jesus the one who took our place and paid the penalty for our sin, the one who calls us by name and loves us desperately, and the one who walks with us through this life, hearing our prayers, laughing with us as we laugh, mourning and grieving with us as we mourn and grieve. Jesus is our example, our rabbi. In the Old Testament and even in in Jewish cultures now, Jewish rabbis would have all these little guys following them around. They're disciples, right? That's why why the disciples go to Jesus and say, teacher, teacher, rabbi, rabbi, what do we do? Did the rabbi turn right? I turned right. Did the rabbi stop for lunch? Lunchtime. There wasn't much of a question about what, what to do. It was just, what did he do? Sometimes I feel like my kids should call me rabbi, rabbi. And I'm like, no, don't copy that. Um, There's a sermon. So following Jesus means literally following Jesus in word and deed. We don't go full Martha trying to be perfect for him. Just like Kyle said last week, we prioritize his presence. We lean into him. We spend time with him. We abide with him. That's how we follow Jesus, and we do it in the little things. We do it moment by moment. Now, I need to confess something that maybe, maybe you do too, Sometimes I think that because I've been following Jesus for a while, the little things don't matter anymore. Like somehow I've outgrown them. Like, oh, I was a rookie, but now I'm a veteran. I don't have to do that stuff anymore. My kids should just know that I'm a professional Christian so I can yell at them or be sarcastic at them, and they'll still get the picture. Or, or I don't have time to listen to how someone's week was because I have to go do bigger, better things for the kingdom. That is a thought that can creep in, my friends. And I find myself there more than I'd like to. It's the little things that matter. Learning to follow Jesus doesn't happen in the big time. There's no notoriety or fame. Actually, notoriety and fame can make it a lot more difficult to follow Jesus. I want to quickly introduce someone from this very same chapter of Scripture, someone no one really ever talks about. Because we know Philippians 2, right? That's the Jesus' humility, humbled himself, taking the form of a servant. I mean, that is, like, that's Philippians 2. But a little later in Philippians 2, we meet a guy named Epaphroditus, which might be why no one talks about him. Come on, guy. What do you even nick? What's your nickname if your name is Epaphroditus? Paph? I don't know. The things I think. So, so look at what Paul says about Epaphroditus. Um, just a couple of verses after this amazing section about Jesus' humility. Okay, so he's like, "Hey, if you, if there's any joy, if there's any, like, listen to me. Act like this guy." Oh, by the way, here's someone named Epaphroditus. It says this in verse 25 of Philippians 2, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, 
My brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs, for he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor peace people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. The Philippian church sent Epaphroditus to take care of Paul in prison. Epaphroditus brings a gift from the church to Paul, cares for him, encourages him, likely prays and worships with him, studies the word with him. And it says he gets really sick and he almost dies, but it's right here that Paul says something ridiculous. And I want you to piece together what's happening here. He says, honor people like him because Epaphroditus almost died for the work of Christ. What? The work of Christ? Okay, you you brought a gift to somebody and then you like took care of him. Yeah. The work of Christ was loving Paul encouraging a brother. It wasn't anything big, and you may have never heard of this guy before, but, but Paul, right after he talks about Jesus' example of humility, mentions a guy putting it into practice moment by moment in the little things and following Jesus. I don't know how much clearer we could make that. How quickly we jump over Epaphroditus and think about what are all the big things I could do to imitate Christ. See, look at Christ's example of humility. He came as a baby, not a warrior king. He very well could have. That's what was expected. He was born in a feeding trough, not a palace. He called the outcasts, blue-collar fishermen, hated tax collectors, political zealots. He, he, he touched the untouchable lepers. He spoke to the culturally oppressed women. He gave dignity and value to those who had it stolen from them in that society. He took time to sit and eat with those trying to figure it out, much to the chagrin of the Pharisees. Can't believe he eats with those people. Those who had run from God for decades He taught repentance and faith over and over and over again to anyone within the sound of his voice. He invited them in. He served those beneath him by washing feet and ultimately he died a shameful sinner's death on a cross, a criminal's death on a cross, naked. He served, he died for those who spat in his face. This is our example. This is the one that we're called to follow. And all of those things mattered. Every single one of them mattered. Every interaction that Jesus had mattered. And we can learn something by just modeling that interaction. Every piece of bread that the disciples handed out mattered. Every person that was like, wait, he did what? And got a piece of bread or some fish. That mattered. That did something. Lives were changed forever because of these little things. And I I stand here having said all of that, and I'm dumbfounded. Because... I look at those first few verses in the beginning of Philippians 2, and I see a lifetime of work ahead of me. Hear me clearly. I can't do that on my own. I am, by nature, a selfish person. I've met me. 
I look to my own interests before I look to the interests of others, naturally, but that's the beauty of following Jesus. That's the beauty of everything that has been said in this entire series. It's not on me and my strength alone. Thank God it's not on me and my strength alone. Kyle mentioned it last week. We minister with Jesus. He is delighted to walk with you as you figure this stuff out. And I don't know where you are spiritually this morning, but, but who needs to hear that it's not all on your shoulders? It's that you weren't just like put on this, wor- world, on this earth and, and God said, hey, here's the mission, here's your purpose, figure it out, let me know when you're done. But sometimes I think that and I feel that. So that's why I feel like I've got to do these big things to prove to God that look, 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 look what I can do. The closer we are to Jesus personally, the more he will accomplish in us and through us in reaching the world, and he loves it. He loves working with you, in you, and through you. I'm reading a book called Gentle and Lowly. I would recommend it to anybody. But in there, they give an example. And they said, Jesus loves to forgive. And we get that backwards because we think, as soon as I need forgiving, right? If I, if I have something that I need forgiving for, then Jesus is going to come to me mad, right? Because if I need forgiveness, what does that mean? It means I screwed up, doesn't it? So that Jesus, it's in his very nature to love to forgive and set people back on the path. Like a doctor, a trained doctor who goes into the jungle and goes to a village, and there's a bunch of people who are sick. And the doctor comes in and and says, I can heal you. And three of the people say, no, you don't want anything to do with us in our sickness. And two of them say, yes, please heal us. Isn't it that doctor's joy to do his job? Isn't that why he went in the first place? And it it just hit me like a freight train. No, we should not go out there and sin. But, but the moment you start thinking that, oh, I sinned, I better distance myself from Jesus instead of leaning into Jesus, something has gone wrong. He loves to help you calibrate your faith. He loves to draw you closer to him each and every time, and he will do incredible things through you, even in the little things. So here's what I want to do. I want to finish our time this morning by getting really practical because it's Sunday, but tomorrow's Monday. What does it look like to live on mission, to to, to follow Jesus moment by moment? This is what I want to do. I want to suggest three quick prayers that you can incorporate into your life to begin putting this whole conversation into motion. They might sound a little weird, but bear with me because you'll, you'll figure it out. The first thing you sh- that I encourage you to pray for is pray for God to give you his eyes. What did Jesus think was worth doing as he walked around in the streets? Where did he spend his time and energy? Ask God to give you his eyes as you are out and about living your life because so, af- so often we-, we pass by the little things because we're blind to them, Right? a hurting person, a, an angry child, a, a, a broken home, a tired cashier, an overwhelmed waitress, a brother or sister in Christ just putting on a happy face. I mean, that doesn't directly affect me, 
so I just ignore it. Think about the heroes of the faith for a moment, the, 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 the big guys, the disciples, Paul, before they met Jesus, before they truly followed him. Did they care about the lepers and the demon-possessed? Like, really care about them? Maybe, but maybe like I care about a dark alley in downtown Jacksonville. I know it's there, so I can stay away. Maybe they didn't even see them. See, they were so busy living their lives, they just passed them by. I got fish to catch, says Peter. I got somewhere to teach, says Paul. They met and followed Jesus, and their eyes were opened to the needs of a broken world and how they had been, get this, this is why we talked about this, they had been, they individually had been uniquely called and qualified to meet the needs of the people they met. Paul and Peter, two radically different individuals. God used them, same mission, same purpose, very differently. Have your eyes been opened to see what God sees? When, when you interact with people throughout your day, are you looking to be used by God in the little things, following Jesus moment by moment in every conversation? The second thing that I encourage you to pray for is pray for God to give you his heart. What breaks his heart? Look in scripture. What broke Jesus' heart? What breaks my heart? What breaks your heart? Have we become cold and cynical or are we just so close to Jesus that we can't help but hurt when he hurts? That's what it means to follow. Go, go look at what broke his heart. What are the needs around you? Is someone sick? We were. And someone followed Jesus' heart right to our doorstep. And I cannot express what it meant it sounds silly, but you'll never know the heart impact. That Epaphroditus kind of love that's just like, ugh, you're doing the work of the gospel. Maybe someone's struggling in their marriage and they need a kid-free date night. Maybe someone's so overwhelmed by a couple of jobs that they are just holding on and they exist to sleep and work. Maybe someone's lost. They don't know Jesus at all. They don't know where to turn to for the smallest ounce of hope and peace and joy. And you carry that message with you. Pray that he'd give you his heart and show you how your gifts and experiences meet the specific needs of those around you. Finally, pray for God to give you himself. See, these are dangerous prayers, but if you pray like this, God will be faithful. If you ask, he'll give you opportunities to follow him in the little things. You won't be doing it alone, as we talked about, but it might rock your world. He'll be right there with you every step of the way, but that doesn't mean it won't cost you something. In order to live this way, we need lots of help. But that's the beauty of following Jesus. Like I said, when we're closer to him, the more he'll use us. Make it a regular prayer that God would give you himself, that he would wrap his loving arms around you each day and remind you how much he loves you, then go with you as you imperfectly imitate him in this world. 2 Timothy 1 tells us, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline.
Friends, Kyle and I could never fully communicate what it means to follow Jesus. We have given you mere morsels from a nine-course dinner. You've gotten like four weeks of these little nuggets. But here and now, with you sitting in those chairs and someone talking from up here with a microphone, that's not where most of the learning happens. It happens out there. It happens as you interact with your friends and neighbors and coworkers. That's where you learn to follow Jesus. It happens when you say yes to joining a small group or having lunch with somebody that just really needs a listening ear. It happens when you walk on the beach or you drive in your car and you contemplate all that Christ has done for you. It happens as you sit at the feet of Jesus intentionally spending time with him instead of running after a hundred other things. And it happens as we attempt to imitate him, finding loving forgiveness when we screw up and trying again. That's where we learn how to follow Jesus. And my prayer for you is this. We're going to sing. You're all expecting it. We're going to close in worship. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to just take a moment in your heart. I want to be really honest with you. I um, am not a, I'm growing in my expression of faith. Some of y'all, you done grown. I'm growing in my comfort of putting my hands in the air, of moving over here or over there, of getting on my knees. I'm growing, and that's something that God and I are doing together. I'm, I, but take a moment, in whatever way you need to, maybe it's just in your heart, quietly with your head down and your hands in your pockets. Take a moment before you leave this room and pray for his eyes and pray for his heart and pray for himself. Know that he loves you, that he is proud of you, that he desperately wants to spend time with you each and every moment of each and every day. And if you can't do that each and every moment of each and every day, he's not disappointed kicking you to the curb. He loves you. Let's follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. It's not light because the mission is easy. It's not light because we have it all figured out. It's light because you walk with us, arm in arm. You don't call us to do something that we're ill-equipped for. You don't grade us harshly, saying, do better, try harder. You invite us into what you're doing in this world. And so, God, I pray that as we leave the doors of this building, we would follow Jesus. As our kids complain about what we're doing for lunch, that we would follow Jesus. As we take off our shoes at the end of a busy day, we would follow Jesus. As we go to work, we would follow Jesus. As we go to school, we would follow Jesus. As we scroll Facebook, we would follow Jesus in the little things, in the little moments as you do a work in our hearts, in our lives, and in this world. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.